This is a podcast that will dive into the toxic environment in early female athletics, which creates a destructive diet culture, body image centric, and a multitude of mental health problems that is detrimental for the future of female athletes. My name is Macy and I have played sports all my life, exclusively playing volleyball in high school. As a varsity level captain participating on an 18-1s travel club team, the pressure to perform can be insurmountable. Toxic club teams, along with the complications that come with being a female athlete, have almost pushed me to quit the sport I love. Covering solutions to the stigma around mental health in female athletes is something I believe in greatly. I'm Abby, and I've been playing soccer since I was five. I've played varsity all throughout high school with two league recognitions, and I'm now captain. I've also competed on a traveling club team for the last eight years. In addition, I ran varsity cross country for one year and took up lacrosse this year. With being a female athlete comes a lot of challenges, but for me, I think that the biggest one has been performance anxiety. Hi, I'm Sophie, and I grew up playing a variety of sports, but have stuck with four main ones throughout high school. I started running competitively when I was in fifth grade, and have been participating at the varsity level ever since, and have served as captain. Additionally, I play varsity lacrosse for my school and club lacrosse outside of school. I have earned achievements for my school's lacrosse team and have been captain as well. Furthermore, I play varsity basketball. And finally, I have skied competitively since I was 10 years old, participating in racing and all-mountain competitions. I've received awards in slalom, GS, and super G, as well as podium places in freestyle and all-mountain skiing. Due to me playing so many sports, I've experienced toxic coaching environments as well as toxic team environments. Hi, I'm Deke. I have been playing sports my whole life, mainly rugby, which I started at the age of five. I received many awards and honors in rugby, including being a NorCal All-Star, starting for National Academies in Ireland. And I also represent the USA as a member of the USA High School All-American Rugby Team. Personally, I felt that me being a male, I have not had to deal with many struggles of female athletes that are going to be talked about in this podcast. But I'm excited to learn more and gain a better perspective of what my friends in female athletics have to deal with. In this podcast, we hope the main takeaway is that mental health is as important as physical health. However, stigmatization prevents people from sourcing the help they need. And sadly, no one wants to admit that there is a problem until it is too late. There are so many hidden struggles female athletes face. For example, if there are 100 pages pertaining to mental health documents on the NCAA website, Why do only 25% of these address women's issues? Why is mental health not a part of NCAA's mandate? Females face this immense pressure to be strong and resilient. We feel the need to push harder in order to be as strong as men are perceived, but we need a society where mental health is promoted as well as strength, and whoever seeks treatment for personal well-being concerns are not stigmatized. This podcast will cover performance anxiety, sexism, sexism in athletics, body image, and how we can change our actions to better support female athletes. In a study that I read, something that stood out to me was the significant difference were detected between male and female athletes and between individual and team sports. Female and in individual sports presented high levels of general sports anxiety. The results of this research provided evidence that anxiety is appraised differently by athletes based on their gender and type of sport. For example, Fox Sports interviewed over 25 female student athletes, as well as mental health experts and NCAA officials, in order to better understand the physical climate inside locker rooms. What they discovered was eye-opening and enlightenment. For example, a Dartmouth volleyball player named Alexandra Schwanberger said that trainers hooked her up to machines to record her body fat percentage, which some have linked to the sports equivalent of a jiggle test.
In this segment of the podcast, I'm going to be speaking a little bit more about body image in female athletes. From a young age, there seems to be a strong emphasis on an athlete's body type and how it may predict their future success in their sport. This can be a big issue because it can deter young athletes from playing the sports they love and are judging their bodies in the process. Not only may some athletes quit their sport, but others may internalize their insecurities and let it affect their athletic performance. There's a constant focus on how and what an athlete is eating and how rigorous their training is, so it only makes sense that an athlete would become hyper-conscious of those aspects of themselves. Form-fitting uniforms can only amplify these insecurities. Yeah, personally, as a rugby player in men's sports, I've never had to deal with this or felt over-sexualized in my uniform. Uh, Well, in my experience with volleyball, um, having adults tell me to put pants on, even though it is my uniform, is pretty ridiculous. Um, Women need to feel confident in their own uniform without being sexualized. Adding on to that, I've had multiple experiences in both cross-country and lacrosse that have made me feel uncomfortable. In cross-country, we were told that we could not work out in sports for other spandex. The boys I was running with, however, were able to run without their shirts. This was very frustrating for me because I was told that I could not work out in something I was most comfortable in and was forced to become uncomfortable the entire cross-country season. This is so crazy to me because how can you be expected to perform at a high level when you aren't even comfortable with what you're wearing? Additionally, someone on the team was struggling with an eating disorder and trusted the coach enough to tell them. The coach proceeded to share a video with the entire cross-country team about a runner who struggled with an eating disorder and how she overcame it. The coach then proceeded to include the name of the athlete who was struggling and sent it out to the whole team. Wow, that is crazy. In addition, comfort about an individual's body can vary based on who they are around. For example, athletes may be more comfortable with their body around their teammates opposed to their friends or family. In a study by Dr. Ruben King, he said that women may feel more self-conscious about their muscles when they are wearing a dress in public. And as a female soccer player, I can say that this is true for at least my teammates and I. There are numerous stigmas for women about appearing too manly. The issues around body image that female athletes face on a daily basis, unfortunately, can and often do lead to eating disorders. Dr. Charles Corbin found that 15% of female elite female athletes meet the criteria for anorexia and bulimia, while another 16% showed signs of having an eating disorder. While large percentages of female athletes meet the criteria for an eating disorder, these percentages are far higher in sports such as gymnastics and dance, which could be considered aesthetic sports. About 40% of women engaged in aesthetic sports to a professional level show signs of an eating disorder. In addition, eating disorders can commonly be found among female runners. Dr. Corbin stated that in the U.S., female runners have reported a high level of body dissatisfaction and symptoms of eating disorders than male runners, according to a 2016 study of 400 runners. A high degree of body dissatisfaction was linked to an increased risk of eating disorders. Running is a sport that can have a focus on weight loss as it may increase speed. In a study of Division I NCAA athletes, over one-third of female athletes reported attitudes and symptoms placing them at risk for anorexia. However, that doesn't mean that they were diagnosed. It just means that they exhibited symptoms. While eating disorders are not uncommon for females in general, they are even more common among female athletes. Elite sports are continuing to set men and women apart, whether that has to do with regulations regarding the sport, equipment, roles each gender plays, and authority, or financially. Various gaps like these can be detrimental to one's mental health, especially when people in positions of power 
able to make change are mostly men. Tony Bruce, an American New Zealand sociology sport academic, dissects the in intentions behind sports reporters' language. She says, when talking and writing about female athletes, commentators tend to focus more on their emotions. They tend to downplay their physical powers on the field and sexualize their bodies off of the field. On the surface, this might not be an obvious element of the way female athletes' mental health suffers, but for reporters to totally disregard their sport, meaning the countless hours they spend training, their technique, etc., takes people down a path that eventually impacts their mental health. To feel like reporters are not even there to do their job, but rather to sexualize bodies and only report on emotions, has caused a lot of women to quit doing something they love because they're not being seen for who they are. Some people were taught that only men should be aggressive, tough, and strong, thus creating a huge gap in men's participation in sports versus women's participation in sports. One statistic measures overall participation in general. It states, when we look at the number of women participating in a sport, 1.5 million fewer women than men participate in that sport at least once a month. As a hopeful takeaway from what you have learned so far, mental health is as important as physical health. However, the obvious stigmatization around mental health limits athletes from seeking help. In a study published by the May-June issue of Sports Health, a multidisciplinary approach, only 20.5% of athletic trainers said they had a mental health provider who worked in the athletic training room. The solution is quite obvious for this problem, simply increasing the presence of therapists in athletic settings. However, the lack of education in coaches regarding mental health limits their awareness of this problem. Wow, yeah. I can't believe there's a lack of mental health coaching in female sports. From my experience in male sports, playing at a high level, we have access to it, especially on the All-American rugby team where we check in every night via an app or in person. Well, we do need a presence of therapists in a multitude of athletic arenas, not just high-level men's athletics like your experience. This is why education is so pertinent to solving this problem. There are mainly six ways to reduce stigma surrounding mental health in athletes. First being education. Learning about common conditions or symptoms and how to promote communication aids coaches through this maze. However, teaching athletes the same topic is just as important. The second way is to define mental toughness. Dealing with mental health problems in a positive and effective way is mental toughness in my definition. We compare that definition with words like resilience, persistence, confidence, and consistency. A third option to reduce stigma is talking about it. Discussing mental health in a supportive and positive environment increases the normality of mental health. The fourth way to, decre to decrease stigma is differentiating people and performance. Who you are and how you perform are not the same. Second to last, watch your language in regards to mental health. Saying words like crazy, insane, psycho, nuts, and loony, or more dated um, words to characterize people dealing with mental health issues furthers the stigma, even if you think you're just joking around. Lastly, become an advocate. Volunteer, participate, and donate to causes such as Women in Sports, which works to ensure quality, equality of opportunity by focusing on getting more women and girls participa participating in sport, as well as more women working in sport at every level, and by driving commercial investment in and media coverage of women's sports. As you may be able to see, these all go hand in hand. To talk about mental health, education brings more ease and effectiveness. To differentiate person and performance, it is important to understand what mental toughness is and is not. 
Furthermore, by looking at athletes and their journey through mental health, we can see that we are not alone. Victoria Garrick, a former D1 volleyball player, is tackling mental health in athletics by sharing her former experiences and giving others a way to see that they are not alone. Through YouTube, TikTok, podcasts, and many other platforms, Garrick celebrates individual differences. Finding someone to relate to, like Garrick, is so important for female athletes because often it feels like everyone around you only supports you to further your physical strength instead of mental strength as well. Imani Boyette, Amanda Beard, and Serena Williams, among many others, all struggle with their mental health. It's completely normal. Sports are completely binary in regards to wins and losses, so it's so hard to measure mental health as it is clearly much more complicated than that. Through promoting better outreach and education, just like this podcast, we can try to normalize female athletes dealing with their mental health. As Victoria Garrick said, it's easy to tell when someone is limping. It's hard when you have an injury that people can't see. Wow, this has been really helpful in just letting me peer into the life of female athletes. Now I had no idea of the double standards that that occur and the struggles that are more noticeably impactful in female sports. For example, for male sports, all I've ever really thought about is winning and game to game. Whereas for females, there are so many other topics that come up. I just have a few follow-up questions for you guys. First off, how can male athletes or males better support female athletes? I think education. So just like listening to this podcast, um, supporting females instead of questioning their experiences really opens the doors for women empowerment. I totally agree with Macy. I think to get anywhere with this issue, it's super important that men educate themselves and just listen. Yeah, I think that's great. I think it's just up to us as men to take the next step and educate ourselves and just create a better environment. Second off, have you noticed a difference between being coached by a male or a female coach ever? Um, somewhat. I have had both male and female coaches and haven't noticed extreme differences between genders though some things stood out to me. I won't go into full detail about these specific encounters, but a few topics include claiming to know everything about women's emotions, as well as mansplaining information. I also find myself a bit more comfortable talking about issues I'm having with female coaches, whether it be talking about challenging team dynamics or my own mental health, it's easier to be more vulnerable with a female coach. Yeah. And lastly, do you have any messages for young aspiring female athletes? I think it's super important to remember that just because you're struggling with your mental health doesn't mean that you're weak and you're stronger for being able to get through those issues and that you can always ask for help. My advice would be if you're dealing with any of these topics or even topics that we didn't cover, I would suggest rethinking your values and priorities. If you're only playing a sport because you feel forced to and not because it brings you joy, I don't think it's the sport for you and you might want to rethink it. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you.